0: Welcome to Impossible Podcasts. Torchwood. Miracle Day. Episode 8. End of the Road. I'm PG Pell. Well, hello there Torchwood fans, and thank you for downloading another Impossible Podcast. Before I go any further, I do have to apologise for the late running of this week's podcast. It's been a busy week, we've had a few technical problems, so we weren't able to get the podcast recorded and ready in time for the night of broadcast. Uh, so thank you for bearing with us while we put this together. Uh, we were also weren't able to get a group of us together, so you've just got the pleasure of my company today. Um, I'll just be sharing a few thoughts, I'll try and keep it brief, I won't outstay my welcome. But um, hopefully I'll be able to give you some insights, something to think about. So, Episode 8. What a difference a week makes. I could have said the same thing with Episode 7, of course. After last week's format-breaking episode made the previous six weeks look like an unnecessary preamble to the main story, which surely was going to propel us all kicking and screaming towards an action-packed finale, it's now back to business as usual. But what is business as usual for Miracle Day? What is the format? Well, generally speaking, our team head out to tackle the puzzle that was left over from last week's episode. One or more high-quality guest stars are drafted in to provide some exposition. We're given a new mystery to chew over for next week, before we're allowed our carefully rationed single piece of information to advance the main plot. That's all in evidence here this week. Perhaps they're trying to make up for allowing us a little too much excitement last week, But this episode opens with ten minutes of exposition, courtesy of Nana Visitor, you know, Major Kira from Deep Space Nine. In fact, it's through its guest stars that this week's episode really shines, and it's nice that we do finally revisit some characters and some plot threads that were left dangling six or seven weeks ago in some cases. Wayne Knight returns as Brian Friedkin, the corrupt CIA director who's working for the families, After all, those grand predictions I made last week that we wouldn't be seeing any more of him. Here he is, and he does have a brief one-on-one with Rex. But it really is brief, and it doesn't come to much. And then there's John DeLancey. ah, John DeLancey. His appearances as Q were the highlight of Star Trek The Next Generation, and he's every bit as good here. He's arch, he's urbane, he's sarcastic, he's fun. Every single moment that he's on screen he lifts the entire episode. There are rumours that, in the mid-90s, when the Doctor Who TV movie was still in pre-production, before Seagal came on as producer, that John DeLancey was being courted to play the new Doctor. Now, had they gone with an American in the role, I think they couldn't have made a better choice than him, and I do hope that we get to see more of him in Torchwood over the next few weeks, and dare I hope that we may one day see him playing the newly regenerated master in Doctor Who. That's just wishful film on my part, of course. But hey, I'm the only one here. I can say what I like. So, that's two Star Trek actors and the bloke from Jurassic Park, all in Tortured, all in the same scene, at the same time. Fantastic. Sadly, it's all over too soon. It's as though there's some critical mass of guest stars that the show simply can't tolerate. Two of them die in a car explosion about ten minutes into the episode. Poor old Wayne Knight got to deliver about six lines, and that was it. Perhaps the production team blew all their money on Bill Pullman. And if they did, well, it was money well spent, quite frankly, because he and Lauren Ambrose, as Julie Kitsinger, continue to be fantastic. They've been away from the show for a couple of weeks, of course, and it's good to be back with them and see how their relationship has developed. That's nonsense, of course. Their relationship hasn't developed at all. It's more or less where we left it. Yes, just as the show has got back to its own format, so have these two. In fact, it's almost as though they're in a separate show. They've got their own storyline, they hardly interact with our main cast at all, they hardly interact with the main plot so far, although that is starting to change. For example, the CIA plant, Jilly's assistant here, that was a clever, well-written twist, and her death in the lift at the hands of the good-looking, well-groomed stranger from the families was really shocking. And really exciting, and does promise some fairly big changes for Jillian next week. As a matter of fact, the CIA came off rather well in this episode. They seem competent, which they haven't so far. They looked and acted like an actual governmental intelligence organisation. And Charlotte Wills works for the families. That twist was well placed as well. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that next week. So, that's it for our guest characters. What does that mean for the arc plot as a whole? Well, once again, it means that the main Torchwood team are the least interesting part of their own series. Gwen is written out halfway through the episode, presumably because they had nothing else to do with it. Jack is moody and aloof, mostly for reasons of plot as far as I can tell, because he has information that he's not allowed to share with us. And really, guys, that line is getting very old now. Mechie Pfeiffer, as Rex, adds heart and wit and a certain grizzled charm to what's, let's face it, an otherwise fairly unengaging character. And Alexa Havins, as Esther, well, she's still bland. Or, Esther is bland. I find it increasingly hard to tell the difference. The scene with her sister was good, yes. And again, it's very nice to be revisiting these character moments and threads of plot that were picked up and then dropped all those weeks ago. But once again, like uh, Oswald Daines and Jilly Kitzinger, it seems detached from the main plot. It takes place in its own isolated little bubble. It's almost as though the production team is saying, Look, here's Esther's character development moment. Now back to googling the families. Oh well. And once again, she proves to be utterly useless when it comes to any sort of crisis. Jack is shot at the end of the episode. She drives off with him into the middle of nowhere and doesn't even attempt the most basic first aid on him. She doesn't notice Friedkin and his goons sneaking up on the house at the beginning of the episode, because she's too busy fiddling with her laptop. Once again, she's either perky or weepy. It's a shame. I realise that I'm giving off a fairly negative vibe about this episode. And it's no worse than, say, episode 6 or episode 5, which were both, you know, fairly good, if unexceptional pieces of sci-fi drama but it's simply because it comes immediately after episode 7, which seemed to change the entire series. That was what Talk of Miracle Day seemed to be heading towards. It was as though we'd finally got the story we'd been promised, and now it's just back to the old grindstone. Miracle Day does feel as though it's hoarding its secrets like some obsessive compulsive who keeps every single newspaper that they've ever collected, every bit of lint in their pockets. It's as though it's terrified of actually giving us any of its secrets or allowing us to join any of the dots. I suspect, in fact I worry, that at this rate Episode 10 might be one massive headlong rush of action and info dumping as they try and cram 10 weeks' worth of story into 60 minutes, but we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. We've still got Episode 9 to go, and they could fool us again. They've done it before. Anyway, I've rambled on long enough so I'll leave you to mull things over yourselves. We do like hearing from you, of course, so if you want to make your own voice heard, leave us a comment on the blog, or like us on Facebook and leave a comment on the wall there. We look forward to hearing you. Meanwhile, stay tuned for James Willett's review of this episode, which is coming later in the week, and our full-length commentary and review of episode 2 of Doctor Who coming in the next couple of days. All that and more at Impossible Podcasts, so take care, we'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye now. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com.